0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to Was That Really Necessary? The podcast where we explore remakes, reboots, sequels, and prequels by weighing them against the originals and asking... Was that really necessary? I'm Zach Buell, and with me, as always, is my beautiful co-host, Paul Abishon. How are you now? Oh, just beautiful as always. Thank oh, you. Oh, God. He's just so pretty. I'm sad that you guys don't get to look at him like I do. If you haven't ever heard this show before, we watch a movie, and then either it's reboot or remake, or a sequel or prequel that was made with 10 years uh, difference in the recording you know, timeline of all of the franchise. And then uh, we try to look at it and see if it was clearly a money grab, if they were actually trying to uphold the artistic integrity of the project or some third option i guess who knows we'll figure it out so please come join us today as we look at mad max from 1979 and mad max fury road from 2015 paul you had some thoughts on these movies from what i understand (laughs) yeah i'm not
1: uh it's i guess these movies don't hold a a lot of weight for me they don't have a lot of sentimental value i've seen them i've seen uh obviously we're we're gonna really focus today on mad max the original in 1979 uh there were two more that followed pretty shortly after that we'll we'll touch base on as well yeah road warrior and welcome to thunderdome (laughs) correct correct and and uh all all good movies but they did do a reboot with a new Mad Max, uh, new cast, in 2015. Same director and writer, though. Same director and writer. So we're, we're, we're those are the two that we're really going to talk about. We Really, this is the first time we've done a uh, a movie like this where there have been other sequels to it that we're just not really going to touch base on because we really just want to compare the original.
0: Yeah, and it's also actually the first one I believe that we're going to go through and it'll be the same writer and director so we actually know that it's somebody who's trying to achieve a particular vision for this different producers but still like it's, it's kind of a nice relief in this that we actually get to see one guy and get to see his evolution over it and of course it is beyond thunderdome i know that i said welcome to thunderdome just because that's the <laughs> iconic <laughs> tina turner line that i wanted to say i almost wanted to say it like her but i won't do that because that'll blow out your eardrums and no one wants that exactly so, so- Paul, do you want to give us a quick intro to Mad Max, 1979? Yes, yes. yes. So
1: it's, it's a couple years here in the future. The highways of Australia are ruled by violent gangs who have turned the highways into a battleground as they loot for gasoline and terrorize the innocent. Max is a policeman who had everything. Until a murderous motorcycle gang, led by the evil Toe Cutter, burns his partner Jim Goose to death and murders his wife and son. After Max killed the leader, the Knight Rider. Here's where it gets weird. Losing his rocker, Max decides to take the law into his own hands as he sets out to get his revenge on the motorcycle gang and become the road warrior known As Mad
0: Max. Dun, dun, dun. Well, um, I'm not going to lie, just right off the bat, that synopsis was quite a bit more exciting than the actual movie itself. (laughs) Um, Yep. I I guess getting it right off the bat. I have a fondness of watching these movies as a kid. I was, you know, hugely excited when it was announced that they were going to do Fury Road, that they were doing this again. Uh and this was one that I decided to revisit probably two or three years ago, maybe up to five years ago. Any time. Anyway, very recently I decided to do this. And I had told you this before uh Paul, but this is another case of just, you know, like pulling a Zack and totally misremembering movies as other <laughs> movies because everything that i remembered liking about this thunderdome sticks out in my mind is like very very distinctly like that's just off the wall nuts and everything that i thought i liked about mad max is actually what i liked about the road warrior <laughs> and <laughs> that <laughs> mad max was pretty it, just... it sucks. <laughs> like, I'm just going to throw it out there. It sucks.
1: Uh, it's low budget, even for the time that this movie came out. It is very low budget. Um, I'm sure the Australians really put themselves on the map with their movie production with this movie. I'm sure this, this was, was this... definitely the big breakthrough for
0: Australian the... cinema on, I... an, an, on an international scale. And part yes.
1: of me wants to say, Hey, the best thing that came out of this movie was Mel Gibson. But then I mean, the but then, his track record but then fuck mel like you went and ruined that one traffic stop and your whole career is gone um but in the end like it did give us mel gibson
0: yeah he, he and it gave us george miller which in my mind is a good thing we'll get to that later. for those who
1: don't know but george miller is the writer director of <laughs> mm-hmm. of uh, mad max uh, all of them all of them uh but this is garbage this movie's not good. It's it's just one long continuous chase scene. I I have no deep roots with this movie. I I again watched them. I have no sentimental value for this.
0: Yeah, I mean, so what I will give this movie. Uh, you you mentioned it's basically one car chase. I mean, it is several car chases with the random vignettes in between. There's really not a whole lot to it, and that is. Yeah, that is kind of interesting. What I will concede about this, I got... Watching this, I started to get a sense of what was what he was trying to do, what George Miller was trying to go for with this. And you actually see tones of that in Fury Road. It's just, I think, much better executed there. And you see tones of it in... Road Warrior and less in Thunderdome. Thunderdome's kind of a, the least subtle of the the four movies now, um if you can call the Fury Road <laughs> subtle. <laughs> if it's all. subtle. Um, but what you get a lot from George Miller and what he's trying to do with a lot of these is he is really doing like visual storytelling. It is a study in not giving you dialogue or any sort of you know like kind of context to this and being able to piece at least some of it together. The problem I saw with this was that he left a little bit too much unanswered Too much what unanswered, the hell was going on. <laughs> not,
1: there wasn't the body language. There wasn't the expressions that you see in yes, Fury Road. The exactly. acting wasn't there. I get exactly. You're 100% right. You're not wrong. But I look at this compared to last episode we did of Ghostbusters. Uh, not to beat dead horses here, but we really, really talked up the old Ghostbusters over the new one because of the dialogue. It was simple, yep. but it was classic. And you're not wrong. The same thing with expressions and body language. Mad Max in 1979 was not that movie. It was... It. it, it the, he tried, but it was low budget. The actors weren't very good. This was Mel Gibson's first big movie, if not really
0: anything. I, it was, I believe it was his first movie, period. He, Outside he like was some still...
1: spots on the TV show in Australia.
0: Yeah, well, and I think he was still in school when he went to audition for this yeah
1: he pulls off a really good australian accent (laughs) um i tried to say that with a straight face learned later not born in australia though he was born in new york moved to australia at a very young age at a very young age but uh not not born in australia but either way i thought he he looked looks the part in some way He's almost a little too pretty, I think, for post apocalyptic.
0: Well, this was really. This is really apocalyptic like this right. is this is that was an interesting thing about this movie that i had forgotten is this the apocalypse hasn't happened yet so society is still around it's starting to degrade there are you know like they're part of the highway patrol that are going out and you know like there's at least some law them. and order in around there's yeah. some and there's, there's still, somebody watching there's somebody. still a governing body because at one point when they arrest one of the guys a lawyer comes and springs him out so there's still you know there are still some semblances of of society here, but it's it's yes, shit's clearly starting to go downhill, and that was all done because they didn't have the budget to create post-apocalyptic sets, so they were just like, <laughs> yeah, fuck it, we'll just film it here and just, <laughs> just make it pseudo. It we'll make it apocalyptic. It's like during the actual, you know, like de- degradation of society. There are some
1: cool things, like you said, that they they tried to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of death scenes. There was uh the, the apparent rape scenes there was some all implied too. all implied an, that's what i wanted that's what i wanted to say is that there's a lot of things that you don't see which they do carry over i think into fury road yep um and there's some other things that do push push the envelope in fury road but there's still things that you could really be visually shocking visually if not even grotesque yep that's a lot of directors would show a lot more. Yeah. Um. He didn't even in Mad Max 79. There, his wife and child get run over. Pretty, which could be a pretty gruesome scene. Um. But again, they don't. They show some shoes flying. They show, yep. you know. But again, they show shoes flying. They're toddler shoes. So it's like fuck. Yep. Like kid just died. Kid <laughs> just died. So it's it's fucked up. But yeah. they don't really just make it this visual in your face. Like a what
0: this was for its time, in my opinion, a B-ish movie. Oh yeah, and I want to I want to bring up. Speaking of things that are fucked up that are shown in this movie, I don't know if you caught this. I caught a couple of weird random spots in there, but there's at one point a shot of Mel Gibson's kid just chewing on a gun. Did you notice that? Yeah. (laughs) It's just like in the first ten minutes of the movie, they show him and his kid. He's like getting ready to go to work. He's a police officer, and then it just cuts to for like a second it just flashes a scene of his kid and there's like a he's holding a, he's a 1-year-old kid holding a gun and it's gun it's like clearly his sidearm that the kid just has in his mouth and is like mouth in it and then they they don't ever they never show him taking it away they never cut back to that again it's just here's a 1 second of a kid playing with a gun why did that happen and also they don't give a shit about that kid's safety because they play with a gun and then throughout the entire movie he's not in a car seat this literally have him sitting in the back of a station wagon throughout the rest of the movie it's like who? and they're doing some serious car chases with this kid supposedly implied in the back seat like what yeah i mean do, do car seats i do have actually I was like do car
1: seats not exist in post-apocalyptic uh, australia
0: i mean that's one of the first things to go
1: let's be honest uh, yeah i gotta get rid of those car seats you know, there's definitely things with the cars that were just not great. They could have done better. The cars looked too clean. The motorcycles looked too clean. Yeah. Had, everything was too clean, even for a apocalyptic yeah. world. It was just... I mean, they could have roughed them up a little bit. They could have bought shittier bikes. They could have bought a lot of things that I just didn't...
0: I, I didn't understand it watching that movie today. Yeah. And again, I, I I agree with you. I, I, would, I did not like this movie nearly as much as I... A couple of things that I did notice that I, I want to give this thing credit there's a there's there are there are basis for what we see later in fury road with like the halls of justice sign is starting to fall apart that's what they work for the department of justice or whatever it is um and then they have like the sign that's been vandalized at the beginning of it for the road sign that says like there's only been 57 deaths on this road or whatever and it says the special force but it's crossed out and says special farce so there's clearly a little bit of world building done and then they chase after mr knight rider and he is uh quoting some song lyrics from acdc in an insane absolutely insane voice um and that's that that actually brings me into the reason why i bring that up is because with all the there there are some like i said there's world building being done here there's there's a basis for what i see what he's trying to do the one thing i want to point out in this movie is like everybody's committing hard to these performances Toe Cutter is insane. Apparently the actor just purposefully changed his accent from scene to scene to appear more crazy. Uh Johnny the boy is absolutely insane. Apparently, on set, he annoyed everybody with how much he was committing to the part that they just left him uh <laughs> they left him handcuffed to the scenery after a day of filming because they didn't want to go back and get him. He was annoying everyone. Like, people ham the hell out of this. Oh, Goose, the guy who plays um Goose that gets killed, who was Mel Gibson's roommate in college, by the way, and encouraged him. That's how he got it. Uh, That guy hams the hell out of it, too. Like, these guys are friggin' committing to their performances.
1: They are, but they're still cheesy. Oh, they're they're hammy
0: and B-movie.
1: So, uh, I do have here that um, Toe Cutter. It reminds me of Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Like, (laughs) that's how he's played. He's played at this, like, (laughs) nerds. Like, I'm waiting for him to come and be like, we're the nerds. (laughs) It just was weird. Like it was, it was so over the top, so stupid. He looked like Ogre and Booger from "You Can't Say That" on television. For those who, for those who remember that, you're welcome yeah. for the reference. Uh, it was not a good movie. Just it wasn't. Uh, for those who have watched it, I'll refresh your memory on some things. The movie from start to finish credits included about an hour and a half. <laughs> a really? One hour 33, according to my calculations. Exactly. So when, again, when you read the plot synopsis, do you think, Oh, this is, he's out, he's a lawman, and his wife and kids are, are dead. And he's going to be almost like a taken situation where the whole movie is going to be based on him getting revenge and finding these people in this really cool, like beating up what it c- could have been. Um, his kid and wife don't die in for an hour and nineteen minutes
0: into the movie. An hour fourteen. There oh. were nineteen minutes left. I'm <laughs> sorry. Ni- Thank
1: you for the correction. Ni- 19, nineteen minutes 19 left. Nineteen minutes in left, year including,
0: year including year. credits.
1: <laughs> so they take a while. There's a lot of buildup, but I say that there's a lot of car chases. It is. It's just one car chase after another. The um, stunts are
0: great in it. They are. They are all real, like car chase stunts, which on the low budget, I. I had to appreciate i i again yeah i'm
1: not i'm not saying it's terrible <laughs> but what i am saying is that it's definitely not a good movie
0: <laughs> i'm trying to defend i'm trying to take some good stuff out. i think of the movie. movie was too long it, i think that's what they were the problem they, they had think, too
1: much content in that hour and a half
0: i was gonna say i think that the i think it took too long to get to the point where he was going for revenge or whatever because there's this biker gang of what conservatively 20 guys that are biking around at one point in the town and he has he, he has enough time to take revenge on three of them like that's it like cut it down kill his wife and i don't don't kill his wife but you, you kill them earlier that's in the movie <laughs> kill kill them earlier in the movie and let him have 45 minutes of running around and and hunting down the rest of the gang no he he, he he takes it to three of them and one of them yep. he just just gets like run over by a passing truck So he doesn't even really get to do anything to one of them. It's just kind of... By the way, the one that he runs over was... I had had it written down that he was 1970's Liv Schreiber. (laughs) (laughs) He looked like... He looked like a... I don't know. Anyway. So, like I said, I'm trying to defend this movie, but at the same time, my heart's not really in it because it is a slow burn. It is a movie that, if you are at all interested in the series of Mad Max, you can't not watch it because it does set up what happens in Road Warrior pretty nicely, how he becomes this kind of weird, jaded person. But at the same time, if you're just watching it to watch it, I don't know that I'd recommend you do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you watch it because it's Mad Max, mm-hmm. because it's part of a franchise. Uh, but in the end, uh, I mean, sorry. You got to watch it, but you don't. I, I, yeah. The the box office for this one, it did take us, it did take uh, three hundred. three hundred and $50,000 to make this movie mm-hmm. uh, grossed 8750 in the United States and a worldwide gross of $100 million. Oh, yeah. So it's <laughs> done very well uh, compared to, and again, this is all 1980s money. Yeah, this well, is made in
0: 1979, and then yeah, we're talking hundred. We're talking hundred million
1: in 1982. Three years after this was made, yep. it had made a hundred million dollars. This is this is obviously a cult classic. People really liked it. Mel Gibson took the world on, guys. This is before Lethal Weapons. This is before he was Mel Gibson. This yeah. was just a kid from Australia with. Let's be honest. If you've watched this movie, those baby blues are fucking
0: gorgeous. They are steaming.
1: Oh, my God. But anyway. Top but... three
0: movies that uh, grossed in there, just as a side note, Kramer versus Kramer, The Amityville Horror, and Apocalypse Now. That was one through three. Uh, so that's what they were up against when they released. Just kind of an interesting yeah. side note. Yep, yep. Uh, all right, well, I think now we've, uh, we've covered some of that, so let's uh, go on to Fury Road. I kept the description pretty light on this one because, honestly, it's not a whole lot of plot to go along with. It's just some really intense visuals. Uh, in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, a woman rebels against a tyrannical ruler in search for her homeland with the aid of a group of female prisoners, a psychotic worshiper, and a drifter named Max. Has a couple of little bits of color uh at this point we are fully post-apocalyptic there is no society yeah yeah no well sort of a society but yeah, we're, we're intensely into the uh, <laughs> post-apocalyptic realm here. Uh, this is where we um, gas is coveted, but not as much as water. Water is kind of the currency yeah. now. That is the big thing of not having any fresh water to, to go around. And that is how, again, I've made reference to it, but Immortan Joe runs a society where he controls all the water. Part of the reason why I didn't explain all of the plot points is because... I don't want to say absolutely everything that goes on in there. There's um, people that have some some sort of radiation that they're very sick for. They get tumors on them. Yeah. Um, Having seen what he tried to set up in Mad Max with not really going in there and explaining everything, there's an opening voiceover where you get tidbits of information and they're actually playing like news clips in the background and you actually get a whole bunch of world building that goes on with it. And then as the movie progresses, there's a lot more visual than there is being said. Yes. So you find out about these people being sick. In that first opening voiceover, you hear a news clip that just says like people's bodies are irradiated. That's it. And then you yep. get to see what that looks like. It's a really cool opening.
1: I, I have that actually as my very first thing. Really cool opening. The way I would describe it is imagine voice news clips in the style of a Marvel opening where you have the pages turning real quick and you Mm -hmm. hear that. Imagine that being how they open only its voice clips. Mm -hmm. Just over and over, little cool things that really build and set the tone for where they are today uh, in this post-apocalyptic world because it is, it's desert. It's everything. When they get to the land, it's dry as shit. This guy, um, Immorta Joe, is... Gross looking. He's got <laughs> shit all over his face. He wears this gas mask. Huge
0: respirator thing yep. that he
1: has. Uh, they kind of set the tone for, okay, so where do babies come from? This is all about mothers. Uh, yep. He keeps a wet a, a lobby of wet nurses that basically are being milked all the time. And yep. they feed babies. And then in this vault, he's got... His breeding women. His breeding women. His yeah. wives that they call them. Yeah. Um, all of them over the top
0: Fucking gorgeous. Uh, like, in a weird way. Like At least two of them are actual Victoria's Secret models or former. Yeah. It might be three of them. One of them is Lenny Kravitz's daughter.
1: Yeah, Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> like, you're watching this, like, I've never seen any of this. One. Is that Zoe
0: Kravitz? Sure is. Sure. And then the ugly one that is there to protect them and escort them is Charlize Theron. If that gives you an idea of how, I'm going to put ugly in quotes, how, yeah. how the ugly one there is the one that's like yeah really toned down so yes they are they're beautiful and that is on purpose it's obviously meant to be these like puerile they're all dressed in white and they're all very clean looking versus the rest of the grungy underground they are very puerile nubile type of like that that this this grotesque looking man keeps for his slaves you know so you're immediately meant to connect with them and see, like, man, we got to get them the hell out of there. This can't be good. And it's a total cult
1: mentality, which I oh, kinda, yeah. which
0: I love. I
1: I think it, it's it's interesting how he has groups within the groups within the cult. There's a a hierarchy, yeah. And you kind of see that with the uh, the warriors, the that, war boys, yeah. the war boys. Thank you. And then <laughs> the the guys that are in the white, the um what they were they were they called
0: well the, there's those are the the war boys are the ones that are all painted up in white and then he's got his um oh what is, i can't think I, I'll, I'll have to look it up but it's it's what charlize theron is part of the she has a, a title that is part of like his kind of inner circle those are like his generals and then the war boys are the like the the pale sort of mutated guys that drive the cars i can't think of what um, she has a title and you'll be able to look at it um, one of the things that I thought was interesting too, again, in that you're introduced to Immortan Joe by him speaking to a crowd and then pouring water all over them and being like, Hey, you know, I'm like, I'm, he's the, he's the Messiah. Like you said, very cult or everything there. Um, but what's great is that build up to that is a bunch of people, um, just doing these random shouts and like Immortan Joe shouting out random things. And in that in those like shouts you get the name of the war boys and what they are they talk about uh, wh- what they're hauling what why you know um Charlize Theron and her character are doing this uh, crazy run you get an intro into more in Morton Joe and Furiosa you get to hear that you get to talk about Valhalla and their religion that they have and you get to see that he's dumping water on them that it's this precious commodity for them and they uh, result in a dire situation it is all within about 10 minutes of the uh, beginning of the movie that you get all that intro to you. And again, it's all in two second little blurbs and shouts that you can actually fully understand what is going on in the world. There it's a crazy amount of world building that, again, to go back to Ghostbusters, like 2016 version, they did everything slap you in the face of like, I'm going to say exactly what's happening right here. And then you're going to try to understand this versus this, where they were just completely like, you're going to have to pick this up. And if you're a keen listener, You're going to pick all of it up.
1: Yep. Yep. If this is definitely not a movie you can sit there and play with on your phone or look away from... (laughs) You won't want to. It's visually stunning. It's... Exactly. And that's... I mean, even up to this point, you have very, very little CGI. Very, very little special effects, even. This is a lot of practical effects. This took a lot of makeup. This took a lot of behind-the-scenes work to make such little scenes like a post-apocalyptic elevator that can bring a semi-truck down (laughs) that's not CGI, that they actually did these things, which you don't see in today's modern cinema a lot. It, Mm It saves money. It saves time, people, resources to just throw a green screen on there and let's go yeah uh, this is this is very 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 practical and it's done very 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 well
0: it's practical effects but they are wholly impractical there yes. are explosions and shit blowing up everywhere highly encouraged you to go out and read some trivia on some of these the way they made they really made all the vehicles that are in the film there are crazy things on tracks that apparently almost exploded and there are all kinds of stunts they did a bunch of Cirque du Soleil and Olympic athletes were like the stunt performers to achieve some of the look and it's insane how much of it was done on screen one of the things that I definitely wanted to uh, point out too is once they leave the, the the cult opening or whatever it's immediate uh you know furiosa is supposed to deliver what they think is water to another town she goes off because she's stealing these wives she's yep. trying to set them free which is fine um, there are Own a little few Harriet Tubman going on over yes here, yeah. underground railroad um, there are a few shots of that convoy that battle scene that are just like amazing that there are all of these crazy huge cars big rigs all kinds of shit like that all over the place and they're all really just like driving across a yep. Namibia it's the Namibian desert that they are all just driving across and like there there are just like you said there everything is practical almost everything is on screen it is just such an intensely amazing movie that apparently after he viewed some of the footage at Cannes Film Festival, not even the whole movie, just some of the footage from it, showing some of those initial scenes, apparently somebody stood up from the audience and just yelled out, how the hell did you film that? (laughs) It was Robert Rodriguez, the director. I read that. (laughs) Like screamed that out at him, just like, what did you
1: do? It's very visually stimulating. Yes. Tom Hardy plays Mad Max. We haven't even touched base on that yet. (laughs) So uh, like a typical Tom Hardy movie, He is stars in it. He's one of the main characters, but you never see his fucking face for over half the movie because it's fucking Tom Hardy. And that's just it. That's how he makes a living. Apparently. Apparently. Yeah, he's he's one of the best actors to never show his face in a movie. (laughs) Uh, You start off. He's he's haggard. He looks rough. You kind of want to know where this is. So this is what you've been up to since 1980 something. Yeah, you'll you'll look like it um beard the whole nine yards just looking disheveled as shit he gets kidnapped by a gang they take him in there he's used as
0: like a blood a blood bag. keep calling him blood bag yeah, yeah he's blood bag yeah they he's tat- a universal donor they tattoo a whole bunch of stuff on his back about it yeah and
1: it's crazy these guys are all like chromed out in white the group are the the warrior war boys the war boys thank you yep <laughs> uh they uh they whole. They live to. They live to war. They. That's what they do. They're. They're hairless men who. They're live... gonna die because they all have
0: tumors and stuff like that yeah. on them.
1: Valhalla, motherfucker! I guess you know? <laughs> they. So they. One of them takes Mad Max with him because he's hooked up to him as a blood bag yeah so that's how mad max it's just weird i don't i didn't like that like it's just (laughs) fucking it's stupid in a way i'm sorry (laughs) i think it's just a dumb way to get mad max involved in this to tie him to the front of a car and run an iv from him to the driver that's how this guy is involved he has had fuck all zero for lines that's how we get that's how he gets brought into this like we're just gonna tie him to car it's it's weak.
0: So I understand what you're saying, and I, I'll i grant you that it's, I mean, in this film world, there are a lot of odd, uh, you know, suppositions that are get made. Uh, one thing that I will say is that the Mad Max movies are meant to be sort of a, he's sort of a wandering gun, almost a Western style. So that, and this was something that people were very angry about, is that the focus of this movie wasn't Mad Max. It was definitely Furiosa. She is the main character. The whole. I have notes here. Like, why is this
1: even called a Mad Max
0: movie? I mean, if you look back, maybe you could argue that Thunderdome was about him, but at the same time, it's almost more about actual Thunderdome. It's more about the. And he's just kind of inconsequentially there. The Road Warrior is not really about him either. It is completely about the Lord Humongous and this other battling thing, and he is just there, like caught in between them all. Mad Max, the original one, is again, kind of almost inconsequentially about him, the actual poster for Mad Max, if we go back and look at that glorious 1970s yeah, right. poster oh, of him man. standing there, oh. if you look at it, not Mad Max on the poster. That is Goose. He never once wears the helmet and right. the like, bandana and everything like that. That drawing is of his partner, Goose. It's not even of, of him. So... It's just funny that people were upset about this. It's like, yeah, it's a Mad Max movie. Have you ever seen any of them? It's kind of the man with no name, Clint Eastwood type of thing. Like he just kind of stumbles into a plot and has to kind of go about doing his own shit and then reluctantly gets thrust into it. So, And that's you know. what I like about
1: it. I actually have that. It's almost like a Kung Fu yeah. type thing where but you're the, just traveling city to city, solving crimes and helping people. And you're shit. saying
0: the grasp on how they get him in there as the blood bag. You didn't like that. Yeah. No, that's okay. what I didn't like. Okay. No, yeah. I,
1: I, I, I got gotcha. you. I get the plot and how this works. <laughs> I just didn't like it. Fair enough. I I thought it could have been better. I, I just thought they could have done... I don't know. That's, that's one asshole's opinion,
0: and that's what I am today. <laughs> just one asshole with an opinion, but yeah. that's mine. I, a, a couple of things that I wanted to point out about this. I mean, for, first of all, I mean, I would... Even if you don't think you like it, like my wife would, n- is not into this type of movie at all, and she very much enjoys Fury Road just for the pure spectacle of it. The visuals are intense. The flaming guitar player is... So awesome. It is... A- <laughs> It is so weird, and you just have to understand that, but he's actually playing what is playing on the soundtrack of the movie, and it doubles up as both the diegetic sound from the actual film of like, you know, you're here because you can hear it in times when they're, when the the posse that he's a part of is over the hill, you can hear his guitar playing, but then they work it into the actual score of the movie as well, where it's his guitar strumming is part of the it's start part of the world sound, and then all of a sudden the score kicks in and it's using his guitar as part of it. It's like, holy shit, this sound editing is is awesome. It's, it's fantastic and he's he's a musician, a famous Australian
1: musician yeah. named Iota. Yeah, I was going to say uh, I, I almost said Ionic that I knew was, what was it wasn't <laughs> it. That guitar scene, that is an uh, they say weighed about 130 to 150 pound yes. guitar. Shot that real really shot. It was really <laughs> shooting flames. So when we say practical effects, that is a real <laughs> flamethrower. That is a real guitar that he is strumming that is shooting fucking flames out of it, folks. This is not some CGI shit that it's not a green guitar with some sensors that they just no. digitally threw in there. Um, while we're on this, you know, we're, I know we're going to c- score and we're going to have our own comparisons, but the uh, Academy of, of Film scored <laughs> these guys pretty highly and gave them six Six Oscars yes. this movie won. Um, <laughs> including production design, including sound editing, sound mixing. These guys won some really big things. Now to put very, into perspective. Very technical stuff. Yeah. Yes, to put into perspective, they were at the same time not up against much. <laughs> uh, the they were up they were nominated for best director. They won for costume design. They were nominated for cinematography. I mean, there was not much that they were not nominated for. Tom Hardy was not nominated for this movie, but he was nominated for The Revenant, which was a big movie that year, Um, obviously winning multiple awards. Leonardo DiCaprio won for... Uh, his first Oscar, it did not win Best Picture, but Max Mad Max was nominated. This was nominated for Best Picture, um, just to kind of put into spotlight what people thought about it, what the um, academies, what the Golden Globes and so forth thought. This, this was a very, very popular
0: movie when it came out. Well, and I think that it's an interesting point. I believe if I read this right, it was the only picture not uh that was nominated for best picture that didn't have any acting nominations for it as well yes which i can actually understand i mean the last thing that i just want to leave everybody with again i i would recommend seeing this paul is is speaking he's he's humoring me by speaking nicely he did not enjoy this movie nearly as much as i did but appreciates the technical aspects and technical i did
1: right I here that i felt bored yet felt like I was having a panic attack at the end. (laughs) Like there is a really good scene at the end. It leaves you in some cliffhangers. I was overall kind of done with the movie at that point, but yet still felt very vested and it felt like I was, I could turn this off yet. I'm having a panic attack and need to know what's going to happen.
0: I wrote at one point that I was like, man, I know what's going to happen and I still feel anxiety in this. Like that's, it's, it's a, it's a powerful movie. Last thing that I'll say about this movie, my car's GPS allows you to put a pin in where your house is so you can just say like take me home and it'll just go you know give you directions from there my home is marked as valhalla after seeing this movie i knew what valhalla was before but after seeing this it was just like yeah i'm going to valhalla (laughs) so i just shout witness me when i want it to take me home and my wife really appreciates that. You can just take my word for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you have for some budget info on this lovely picture for us, Paul?
1: So this one, for some reason, was a little harder to find. So I have that this was this was done on a budget of $150 million.
0: Yeah, best estimates place between $1 to 150 I saw on a couple of different yeah. sites. There. It's, it's somewhere in that
1: range. There were some varying numbers on this. Um, I did get the the overall box office is 300. dollars and 78 million dollars uh we could even just round up and say 379 if you will yeah but that is okay it's it's not it sure as shit isn't marvel no um it's not marvel money but it's nothing to shake a fist at either you you over doubled your
0: your budget yeah and this wasn't one that was spent a whole lot of they, they didn't spend a whole lot of marketing on it so it's this is a, a i can't believe we're saying something that made approximately 250 million dollars as a modest success but that's really what it was it was successful it definitely made money enough that they are in pre-production for a sequel now they signed on for it mm-hmm. um, yeah i mean it, it, it was good yeah there you
1: know there there should be some more of these yeah uh, i think they could do more i i
0: we will see what happens yeah yeah uh, top three for 2015 force awakens jurassic world and avengers to age of ultron so yeah, I mean, I mean, and this was number 21 so it clocked in fairly high but not crazy high they were again going day. up against some pretty heavy hitters. oh yeah, H-
1: yeah. heavy heavy hitters <laughs> when this came out yeah
0: you have uh star wars marvel and the return of the jurassic park series that's you're not gonna you're not gonna edge those out no um <clears throat> just so a couple of little tidbits i mean we threw a lot of these out there already um a couple of people that were considered for Max and the new one, Michael Bean, who was from uh, the original Terminator, Channing Tatum and Heath Ledger before he passed away. Cause this was in development hell for a yeah. long time. Um, all those guys were in there. Uh, one thing that I found really interesting about this was that, uh, so Tom Hardy apologized after the film saying that he was overly difficult to work with because he didn't understand what they were going for and he really couldn't see the vision of what it was and then immediately recanted it upon seeing that and immediately apologized to both Miller and to Charlize Theron for being difficult on set and then promptly signed on for three more movies was like yeah if this is what the result is I am I was wrong and Charlize Theron actually also apologized saying a very similar thing where (laughs) she was just like I was kind of cranky I did not like this I was overly difficult. And then I saw the fruits of our labor and was like, "Can you write me into the next one?" And Miller was like, "Sorry, Furiosa is not the star here. Your your story's done." So apparently yeah. she was kind of disappointed after that. Um, but they both were just like, "I, woo, I wish I woulda, wish I woulda been less difficult to work with on there." <laughs> George Miller, writer and director of both of these, uh, he, as mentioned before, did all the Mad Max movies. He has got some other interesting movies on his resume. Paul's giving me a nice, uh, a cheery smile. They take here. a hard right. They take uh, a hard yeah. right. So he directed, didn't write, um, *Witches of Eastwick*, which was, by the way, his previous, previously his last R-rated movie prior to doing this new *Mad Max: Fury Road*, because the other movies he did in between are *Babe*, *Babe* two, *Pig in the City*, *Happy Feet*, and *Happy Feet* two.
1: It's, yeah, he did that. So yeah. he
0: definitely did that.
1: Uh, there's, yeah, he did that.
0: Uh, and then Rotten Tomatoes gives us a couple of views into what critics and audiences think alike of these movies. For the original 1979 Mad Max, critics liked it. Ninety percent of them agreed that it was a good movie. Um, I don't know if we would agree with that, but that was good enough to certify it fresh. Uh, the audience, eh, a little bit less, only about seventy percent of them, but still a pretty good it's amount. Still so pretty.
1: It. That's more than I would think. Yeah. That's more than I would think.
0: Uh, 2015 Fury Road critics, 97% fresh. That's about as good as you can get there. Yeah. Uh, that is obviously certified fresh from that. Uh, audience, 85%, which is also pretty high up there. So that's I a, think there's a, a...
1: But I put into this one that, again, going back to your point, that they didn't spell it out for you. Mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. are kind of dumb and need shit spelled out for them. So I bet a lot of people left this movie just kind of saying I, I, I don't, huh? And yeah. and I say the same thing, but for
0: different reasons. Those are the opinions of what we have for our Rotten Tomatoes, our critics and our audiences there. But as you guys know, we task each other to go out and find our favorite five-star and one-star reviews, which revolves around us wading through so just a, a mess of awful. So Paul... What is your favorite five-star review of 1979's Mad Max? My five-star review uh, is
1: titled Five Stars. Ooh. It's cool. <laughs> That's it? That's it. It's cool. Uh, you anyway. <laughs> gave five stars, so hey. Hey, man. I mean, likes it.
0: Uh, my five-star review, definitely a must-watch is the title. I love this movie and the one after it. The storyline is simple as well as the filming. I think what makes storyline so interesting and captivating is the superb acting from everyone. Of course, me being a motorhead, I love the climactic chase scene and infamous Mad Max in his souped-up black car. I wish they made movies like this nowadays. You know, they probably
1: do. I I bet that they're pretty... They, I bet the plot goes pretty fast. Um, Maybe he, even furiously they might be pretty furious at the same time they think they've done a couple of those so i don't know (laughs) what world this guy's living in but they definitely still make movies like this
0: my favorite part of this is this is like i said definitely a must watch this was written in 2016 and he says i wish they made movies like this nowadays Fury Road had just come out. They literally made another Mad Max movie. (laughs) And this guy was like, man, I wish they would do that again. Maybe he thinks the sequel is
1: Fury Road. Like, he said, I I don't know if he knows that Road Warrior and Thunderdome are... part of that maybe
0: he's, he does say the one after it so maybe he's he's either very selective about which one he likes or
1: he probably doesn't know he's probably watched mad
0: max Fury rome
1: was like oh but there's another one out there holy shit they <laughs> made more of these fuck me <laughs> honey get the vhs out
0: you're um, really into the cletus reviews aren't oh you man
1: that's how i read <laughs> most, almost all of these get read in a cletus voice yeah, that's
0: probably not a bad idea all right, what about your favorite one-star review of 1979's Mad Max?
1: Oh man, um terrible plot, terrible message. Watch this movie if you want to be miserable. Wow. That's it. They had they are they are <laughs> men of men or women of many words. How um, uh <laughs>
0: I'm hoping you found something a little bit better than that. (laughs) Um, It's titled, How Did This Ever Spawn Sequels? I know I'm supposed to care about this movie as a classic, but my previously most hated B-movie of all time, Ice Cream Man, starring the illustrious Jan Michael Vincent. Yeah. Illustrious Jan Michael Vincent has a much more coherent plotline and the much the same acting quality as Mad Max. You may want to find out where Fury Road spawned from, but if you watch this, you won't know anymore and you will have wasted your time you could have spent throwing toilet paper spitballs at neighbor kids. So, yeah, Ice Cream Man starring the illustrious Jan Michael Vincent. By the way, not even a star of that movie it's clint howard howard i was just gonna say is that not
1: like ron howard's brother brother, clint like that's his like iconic horror movie
0: jan michael vincent is by the way so ice cream man as a horror movie nut is you know very near and dear to my heart it is terrible but jan michael vincent is in it for maybe 10 minutes of screen time and he's drunk he was like not even not saying he was drunk on act i'm saying like he was Drunk. On I can't even remember him in that movie. I'm just gonna. Oh yeah, no, he's like, he's, I don't he's a detective in it for like I said, 10 to 15 minutes of screen time. But this guy calls out as the illustrious Jan Michael Vincent. So, yeah, that one I just had to read that because holy hell did that guy. Is that like Selma, though? Like, could that be a Patty and Selma thing? (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I mean. uh.
1: So, Mad Max 2015. Yeah. What? You, I'm assuming, came out with some some pretty good one-star reviews. What you got?
0: I did. so, my one-star review for Fury Road, titled Guitar Flamethrower, simply says, the guitar flamethrower was too much. One star. Awesome. Man or woman. uh, Man, David Mobley. David Mobley has principles, all right? And the uh, flaming guitar, that was too much for him. That's what was too much for him. That's all it says. I don't know if anything else would have been over the top too much for him, but like that, I like to think that he was watching it and was like, all right, well, this is a lot, but boom, flamethrower guitar, I'm out, I'm out. What about your one-star review, Paul? My one-star review is called Don't
1: Bother. Boring two-hour car chase makes you want to binge the first three to ease the disappointment. Oh my! Exactly. Oh, oh my. Um, now I'm assuming we have some five stars, hopefully, in there somewhere.
0: Oh, I do. I do. There were several. There were a lot of five stars. Um, most of which were just kind of eh, whatever. Um, this one is in all caps. I'm not gonna yell it out and read it like that.
1: I feel like if you pick one that's in all caps, you must read it as though it is in all caps.
0: <clears throat> all right. Let me let me prepare myself here. It is titled Vroom Vroom before watching this movie I used to type like a normal person then I watched Mad Max Fury Road and now I can only type in all caps I barely have time for punctuation and I cannot check my spelling errors now in my head 24-7 I hear revving engines and dum dum music in my head this movie will not only knock your socks off it will light them on fire and blow them up this movie is most metal this movie has so much testosterone I feel like a young boy reaching puberty every time I watch it I am a grown woman That's That is amazing. <laughs> that is the five star review that I found for Fury Road.
1: That's amazing.
0: <laughs> so, Paul,
1: how about your five star review? My five star review. um This was made the day after Christmas of 2015. Oh, neat. So, they must have recently recently headed out think to, was to watch it at
0: that point, too. So, yeah. they might have just gone to the theater at Christmas Day and been like,
1: hey, let's go see Fury Road. Exactly. So, this. Uh, this goes a little something like this. It's, it's called intensely enjoyable and top-of-the-line action and cinematography. I don't think there's much needed to explain here. As the film is by and largely already accepted as one of the greatest movies of all time, all I can say is this. Mad Max Fury Road isn't about Max. This is Furiosa's story. Max is the supporting character that is headlining the magnificently done supporting cast. From the fully realized original post-apocalyptic wasteland to the near-entirely real vehicular stunts to the heart pounding action and thundering music. We're finally getting to our first comma. Fury Road (laughs) is a film that has no true equal. Even if the story isn't as perfect as the rest of the film. That's awfully generous there. Awfully generous. (laughs) I mean, greatest movie of all time. I get it. Maybe you just saw this movie and the blood's pumping and you got some But greatest fucking movie of all time.
0: (laughs) Come on. That brings us to the wonderful part of the show. We've read other people's opinions. We've kind of walked through some of this. We are going to go into our breakdown and our scoring criteria we will score this based off of cast acting direction slash script production value and enjoyment value so let's break it down in the cast i don't see how there's any discussion here aside from mel gibson in the first one and the toe cutter slash morton joe actor It's not really a whole lot going on here i gotta give it to the newest one it's just it, it fury road had the better cast
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Do we even have to do that one for this one? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's it's hands down uh, the new one.
0: And I think that'll curtail nicely right into acting. It was the new one. The old one is fun to watch people commit to overly theatrical B-movie acting sometimes. But... Yeah, it's the new one. I mean, it's hands down. I mean, not only do you have
1: a pretty, pretty top-notch cast uh but again i could almost say that they're they're wasted in some regards hmm. uh
0: it, it is very sparse in it, the
1: dialogue and yep, everything i around. think they said tom hardy had a total of 52 lines something like that something yeah. like that throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. so um it it was good again not to take away from the acting but like we had previously mentioned six oscars uh tons of nominations not one of them was in an acting category exactly
0: uh, direction slash sc- script again uh, there's just no contest here it's it's fury road is, is superior in all same guy <laughs> yeah. same guy same same
1: writer same director uh, but but definitely learned from his experience we're talking you know almost almost 30 40 years experience yeah. here uh so yeah obviously the
0: mad max yeah fury road fury road thank you yeah. um production value i mean come on mad max the original was made on $350,000 the new Fury Road, regardless of whether you liked it, is one of the most visually stimulating things you'll ever see in your life. It's Fury Road. Again, there's not much discussion here. Yep. <laughs> and enjoyment value, hey, it, it, it's Fury Road. It's <laughs> Fury Road is just like if you want to watch a dude with a flaming guitar just chug some chords out and shoot flames everywhere and then watch people just, you know, willy nilly drive over everything and explode it's Fury Road. <laughs> yeah. It's a hundred percent Fury Road. I, yeah, I just, I, I can't deny it. So that brings us to, I mean, that was pretty simple and kind of knew that one was going to be a little short brings us to our final thoughts. Paul, what are your final thoughts on, uh, on Fury Road and Mad Max? What, what did you think of watching these two movies? Mad Max,
1: the original was not good. It just wasn't, I didn't enjoy it. It doesn't hold a special place in my heart. I'm not a huge Mel Gibson fan. I I I, I'm not a fan. I'm just not like I don't. It's not that I hated it. I don't dislike it. I'm just not a fan. Like I don't. Yay. Uh, Mad Max 2015 Fury Road, almost similar. Like I'm just not a huge fan of Mad Max. The franchise has never been something dear to me. I think that uh, Charlize Charlize Theron killed it i thought she was fantastic i love that they had a badass female lead in there uh but other than that visually stimulating storyline fair enough you sir what do you what do you what are your thoughts on this bad boy
0: well you know i like i said i watched i had rewatched mad max and uh road warrior and thunderdome recently Uh, So going back into this, I, again, had the realization that, yeah, I didn't really like Mad Max. Everything that I thought I liked about it was actually the Road Warrior. Uh, And Thunderdome is just a cacophony of weird 80s shit. I I would recommend watching it just because it's that strange and kind of engrossing. Um, I love Fury Road. I think that it is an amazing, like I said, storytelling piece of just being able to do things without script it's all through visuals and things like that that i just thought was really really intense and, and amazing from a cinema cinematography standpoint it's amazing um uh, i you know re- re-watching these was just kind of reminded of that i really really enjoyed fury road and did not very much enjoy mad max but again i'm happy that i've watched it i'm glad i've seen it i can check it off my list so this brings up to the titular question was that really necessary paul looking at mad max and then fury road was fury road really necessary absolutely um i think it was 100 percent necessary i welcome more uh i kind of look at this
1: franchise if you will as almost a a james bond um mm-hmm. i look at it in a, in a way say why did it take him this long to make another one uh, i'm sure there were a million different reasons that that things have gone wrong through the years but really I don't know why it, it's it's a name it's a it, people know this of course i think this is necessary i again as a someone who doesn't really not a big fan of this franchise i do think it's necessary um we're getting better at production we're getting better at what we can do without using cgi we're we're just getting better in that sense so i i welcome more
0: of them yes this this one totally necessary 100% agree with you i I can't the only thing that i want to add to that is the reason why i think this is the most necessary piece is because this is what happens when you give a visionary director modern day techniques that they couldn't have been able to do in the past and they get to go back and retool it and actually make something that improved on the originals and was better than and but still remembered generally what the fans loved about the first ones and i say that Because he didn't fuck it up. Nope. Like George... Fucking Lucas. Oh, we're coming for you, George. So, <laughs> so Lucas. oh George, we're coming for you, man. I hope you took notes because this is what happens when you revisit a franchise after 30 years and go, you know what really would have been awesome if I had some really cool special effects and better techniques than what I could have done? Because this is, this should be after the prequels came out, everybody was really gun shy about this. No, let people do this. George Miller has proven that you can take an old school director that had a vision for some property and redo that. Yep. Just, oh my god please let if nothing else comes of this let that be a lesson to people yeah absolutely <laughs> hands down
1: let him do more i am eagerly awaiting babe three uh just to see what
0: pig kind in crew. the wasteland i guess i, guess. <laughs> I don't know pig, pig in the wasteland uh
1: <laughs> I, I mean yeah let, let this guy do more he he's done it right he's earned it at this point um it, it let let him do more Mad Maxes, let Tom Hardy continue, let, anybody, let, let other people do it, I don't care. But uh, yes, absolutely necessary, 100%, cannot wait for more.
0: Alright, well that concludes our look into Mad Max and our journey beyond the Thunderdome into Fury Road, I guess, really. Um, (laughs) Please listen to us next time as we start diving back into the realm of 1995, hilariously again, with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yes, there was a movie that came out, if you guys don't remember that, around the TV series, there was a movie that came out, and then they recently rebooted that. So we get to go jump headfirst into the Haim Saban Shuki Levy yeah, I, I'm.
1: I'm personally excited for this. I, I like you. Uh, was a little too
0: old for the Power Rangers. Still remember watching them, but yeah,
1: watched them. But you kind of did it before school, and you didn't talk about it once mm-hmm. you got on the bus.
0: I was really more of a big bad Beetleborgs fan, if I'm being honest. Okay, here. <laughs> okay. But I, I, I consider myself
1: not of the power. Like I was just a little no. bit too old to be yep. into it, so I don't have this uh, strong nostalgia for the original power rangers so i'm excited to uh to take a look and and see how it uh, goes next week
0: all right well On behalf of both of us here, I am Zach Buell. And I'm Paul Albichon. Thank you so much for listening to us here at Was That Really Necessary? Again, I'm going to plug it, but please go like us on Facebook. Uh, Follow us on iTunes and your Google Podcast and whatever other podcast app you have. We have it out there. Go to wasthatreallynecessary.com and grab the feed. Feel free to listen to it there. Uh, And please give us ratings. We'd love to read them. We'll we'll read them out loud here if you give us a one or a five star. We don't care. Uh, But, us with some of your friends get us out there we'd love to have rob schneider come try to punch us in the face because we didn't like him and (laughs) judge Dredd. so thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time